What is up, codependents? How are you? I hope you're doing really well, working the steps, putting yourself first, enjoying your villain era. Uh, before we get into today's episode, uh, just a couple of housekeeping things. First off, uh, if you would like to hear your voice on my show, I am more than happy to do that. So please go to my Spotify link and record a voicemail. You can record up to 60 seconds. And I don't mind if you record more than one. Maybe you have five minutes of things you need to say to me. Okay, so just go ahead and record that voicemail. Very happy to have uh, Jenny, the other Jenny, a listener. Hope you listened to my listener feedback episode. Let you kind of know why I'm doing this podcast and what direction it really needs to go in. Um, so yeah, and if not, please do not forget to like, rate, and comment on Apple Podcasts. That's where it matters. That's where 90% of list of you are listening on is Apple Podcasts. So please go over there and leave a comment, leave a rating, a five-star rating if you feel like this podcast is worth five stars. If you're getting five stars of funny, five stars of healing, five stars of inspiration, five stars of sarcasm, five stars of... Uh, ranting and raving. If you think it's worth five stars, go ahead and give me those five stars. Uh, let's grow this podcast, not for me, but so that we can continue to uh, hold space for the codependent that is still suffering. Okay, let's get this information out to people who need it. I am not the end-all, beat-all therapist of codependency. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a life coach. I'm not a guru. I'm none of that shit. I'm a person who's suffering as badly as you are. And I just want to make sure that other people know what direction they need to go in. And of course, that is coda.org, codependenceanonymous.org. Uh, likely, very likely, if you are codependent, you are also suffering from love and sex addiction. And love and sex addiction is not what you think it is. Love and sex addiction is not about being promiscuous or having orgies. Love and sex addiction is about being addicted to the oxytocin and serotonin that is released, the euphoric feeling, that drug, that chemical that is released in our brains when we are with somebody who activates us. And oftentimes we try to hold on to it by minimizing ourselves and sabotaging ourselves. Okay, it all ties hand in hand. Likely, you are also a victim of sexual violence, so make sure you are going over to SASA and going to the SASA meetings. That is Sexual Assault Survivors Anonymous. I'm just pointing you in the right direction. It is up to you to do the work. It is up to you to work the steps. It's up to you to clarify who you want to be in your life and start living and taking steps toward living that life and getting the fulfillment out of life that you are looking for. That's your job, okay? That's your fucking job, not mine. All I'm trying to do is just keep pointing you in that direction so you can get the tools you need and the support that you need to live the life that you're looking for, to, to live a healed, healthy life that, you are, that you've always dreamed of. Okay, all right, so... Um, also, if you are listening on Spotify, I am putting polls on there. So make sure you are answering the polls in addition to leaving me voicemails. All right. So today's episode is more of a stream of consciousness. I had, uh, I had a nightmare last night and I wanted to share why I think I had this nightmare and, and what the, the nightmare that I had is illustrating to me. 
and hopefully what I can illustrate to you as well. I don't, um, like I said, there's no specific topic. It's just me talking about different things and mainly about parenting, narcissistic abuse, religious abuse. Um, my last, <clears throat> not my last episode, but um, Christian Christianity and codependence is an episode that I absolutely need you to listen to. Even if you're one of those uh, atheist or agnostic or you know, yoga chakra people, that's fine. The episode is there for you as well, because most likely if you have turned away from God, it is because of the Christians in your life who abused you. And I understand that. And I'm just going to kind of give you an idea of what I'm thinking about as I come back to God, but not coming back to, um, a community of people that is literally full of hell. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of the most evil people I've ever met are in the church. <laughs> and I, I think we all know that. And I don't need to expound on that anymore. Okay, so I got to take a deep breath before I get into this. Because this is, a again, like I, I don't have any clear direction <laughs> of where this episode is going. I just knew that this was uh, very important that I share with you. So, um... I haven't had any nightmares in a really long time. It's It's been probably a year and a half since I've had a nightmare, which is great. I don't think that nightmares come from demons or spirits. I don't think that nightmares are punishment from God. I, I But what I do think a nightmare is, it's generally, it's your subconscious screaming out to talk to you. That's what I think a nightmare is. It's it's all the stuff that you have hidden in your subconscious that is just screaming to have a voice or screaming to warn you of something, right? That's what I think a nightmare is. And so the fact that I haven't had any when I used to have them all the time is really great. I think it's a big step forward in my healing and my recovery journey because I think... Um, what my subconscious is telling me is that I am on the right path and that things are getting better. I am healing of that terrible self-hatred. I am recovering from a lot of the abuses that I've endured, whether they were emotional, mental, physical, sexual, financial, whatever. I, I am healing from those things. You know, um, I think your subconscious is your place where all your secrets are kept and even the secrets that you don't even know that you have are stored in your subconscious. And it's a good thing that I'm not having nightmares because it means that the therapy is working. The 12 steps are working. I am changing. I am improving as a woman. I am improving as a human being the power of the pain that I carry does not, is not as strong as it used to be. The power that the pain has is not as strong. It's not as um, relevant. It's not as constant. It's not as overbearing. It's not as overwhelming as it used to be. And that's a good thing, right? But anyway, um, I'm up early right now. I actually woke up at 4 a.m., from this nightmare that I had. And 
I'm not quite awake, <laughs> but I'm definitely not asleep anymore. Um, the nightmare was me being a little kid and I was with my mother and she had given me some breadcrumbs to put in a bowl and she had told me to like make a pie with it or make a crust for a cake or something and obviously when I'm five years old I don't know how pies are made but you know I think it's indicative because I am a chef or I was a chef for 18 years so um you know it, it definitely speaks it this this nightmare spoke to me in a language that I could understand and what my mother was doing was she was telling me to to bake this pie or to bake this crust for this pie at a very, very young age, I had to be been about like five or six years old. But what she was doing is she was pouring sand into the bowl. And then she was telling me to separate the sand from the from the cookie crumbs. I meant I meant to say cookie crumbs, not breadcrumbs. She was telling me to separate the sand from the cookie crumbs. And she kept doing it. And in my dream, I was just completely helpless to the power of her irrational request and completely helpless to the power of her domination. And I woke up immediately afterward. I don't think that the nightmare was very long. It might have been a few minutes. It might have been a few seconds. I don't know. We... I. I don't know how to time it, you know, when you're asleep, but I woke up with this visual in my head. And the reason that I'm sharing it with you is because that is so indicative of what the narcissist has done to us. And if you have a narcissistic parent, like I do, it is so indicative of how much they try to torture you. Um, one of the things that I have to bring up, and I, I, I'm not going to totally go into it now, but if you study anything about um, how prisoners of war have been abused psychologically, or maybe if you've ever studied some of the atrocities that were happening in Guantanamo Bay after 9-11, psychological torture is the narcissist's number one means of control. They are their number one means of domination is psychological torture. And whether it be keeping you up at night when you have to work, depriving you of sleep. I, I have talked about this. Sleep deprivation and narcissistic abuse go hand in hand. Um, forcing you to try to do things or, that are impossible. You know, there, there's a reason in the movies when, when a soldier uh, is being punished <laughs> that they get either, you know, it's not always the blanket party. Sometimes when a soldier is being punished, you know, in the movies, they would, ha they would show them scrubbing toilets with toothbrushes because there's no way you can clean an entire bathroom with a one inch by half inch scrubbing surface. Like you can't do that. It, it's meant to torture you. It's meant to force you into a place where you can not possibly achieve what they are asking of you. And 
it is the perfect illustration of what my mother has done to me as a human being. She has set, she has completely isolated me, especially as a child. She's completely isolated me from any kind of normal, healthy, rational way of thinking isolated me from knowing what a healthy family or a healthy mother looks like and forced me in and in, in that in that place of isolation she had full freedom to psychologically emotionally and spiritually torture me just like she did in my dream telling me to do things that were absolutely impossible telling me to do things that couldn't be done, but making me believe that they could be done if I just worked hard enough and long enough at it, right? The narcissist psychologically tortures you <clears throat> through repetition by giving you some the same thing to do over and over and over again until you are trained, until you are trained to comply. And even taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, when I think about this nightmare, I think to myself, how could I have ever fought back? How is it that I'm in my 40s just now figuring out what my mother was doing with the sand and the, and the cookie crumbs? That's, that's everything that my mother did. That, that's all the lies that she told me to make me believe that sand actually can be separated for cookie crumbs. And so that I spin my wheels. I'm running on that hamster wheel nonstop for her to please her. The way that my mother raised me, if you didn't say how high when she said jump, there was going to be hell to pay. That's what the narcissist wants from you. They want you in full compliance at all times, never questioning if the things that they ask of you are even rational or even possible. My mother forced me to be a good little Christian girl. Meanwhile, this woman is full of demons. A lot of Christians will do this to you. They will torture you. They will abuse you. Meanwhile, they themselves are worshiping the devil and placing curses on your life, cursing your life, and you don't even know it because they have painted themselves out to be Margaret White. Margaret White, Margaret White, Margaret White. Why do I bring up a character from Stephen King's Carrie novel and the movie. Now, I never read the novel, but I've seen like all of the Carrie movies. There's been like three or four of them. Um, Margaret White, the reason, <laughs> the reason I refer to Margaret White as my mother is because actually my cousin, my cousin came up with that name for her. And there was a conversation very important conversation that I had with him about three years ago. And uh, we were comparing and contrasting the abuses that we both received from our mothers who are sisters 
um, and how that affected our lives and how it affected our love lives, how it affected our self-worth, how, how it affected everything about us. And even though my mother and his mother, my mother and his aunt, my, my mother and my aunt are very different. Uh, some of the torture techniques that they used on us were very similar. And I just thought it was so funny because I never was really able to find a way to describe my mother. But then when he gave her that name, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what my mother was like. So I am going to pull up, and this goes, this ties into religious abuse a lot. I'm going to pull up um, an article from sparknotes.com. And this is a character analysis of Margaret White. Okay. And let me go ahead and let me look real quick for who played her. I know that Julianne Moore played her in one of the more recent ones, uh, but she has a unique name. It was Piper something. Uh, Piper Laurie. Yes, yes. Incredible, incredible actress to be able to do that role. Uh, Piper Laurie. Yes. Margaret, Piper Laurie played Margaret Wright in the first one. And uh, she did an incredible job. Scared the shit out of probably all of us. Nobody would want to have a mother like that. I sure did, though. And I survived it. Still here, haven't killed myself because of her, so I'm still here to live to tell another day. Uh, okay, so let me go ahead and read what this character analysis says, and you tell me whether or not you have experienced this, okay? If you have a Margaret White in your life. Margaret White is Carrie's controlling and ultra-religious mother. She restricts Carrie's world and instills fear regarding her own body, sex, and other behaviors and topics Margaret deems immoral. Margaret's extreme opinions about other people and her tendency to share them in an aggressive and unrelenting manner guarantee her isolation as people find these traits to be off-putting. She has created a world in which there are no dissenting opinions and prayer is her main form of communication. It is also her most powerful form of punishment against her daughter. Woo! How many of y'all have experienced this? There are many aspects to the Christian faith, but Margaret zeroes in on scriptures regarding original sin and judgment. Through her parent, though her parents did not raise her to believe in this harsh version of Christianity, she views the roadhouse that they ran as a den of iniquity and believes that all sexual acts and the people who engage in them are evil, and she never ceases to punish herself for her own weakness in that regard. She is as repentant about those weaknesses of those acts as she is about the pleasure that they gave her. And she's determined that her daughter will never go down the same path to sin. Well, I find that kind of funny because my mother married a sex addict and a porn addict, my father.
Let me find another. I found a better article. Let me find it real quick. Sorry. Let's see. This one is from uh, bloodydisgusting.com. Uh... Margaret White is a terrifying woman, a harsh and unyielding. Fanatical at times, her faith is the force that drives her and motivates all of her actions. She is controlling and manipulative, never ever desiring Carrie to remain close to God and out of the reach of the modern world. Throughout every iteration of this material, though those traits must remain must remain a constant margaret is allowed a certain amount of flexibility and seeing the way in which different filmmakers and actresses bring her to life is fascinating uh so we're going to particularly talk about piper laurie i'm going to skip down a little bit uh laurie's performance in this film is transcendent and her interactions with carrie are profoundly tense she's a powerful and aggressive character driven by her belief system and inflexible to the world around her. When Margaret comes home to discover that Carrie has gotten her period, she immediately begins judging and chastising her, demanding that she beg forgiveness of her sins. Ooh! Now, how many of you have experienced that? How many of you ha have been religiously abused and you were made to beg for forgiveness for shit that was just like normal childhood growing pains? You know, what my mom used to like to do is she used to have this thing where she would want me to apologize in front of the whole church for something that I did, you know, like, so humiliation was a huge part of it. Uh, but let me get back to the article. Okay. Um, even as Carrie sobs and swears that she committed no sin, Margaret continues bellowing scripture and commanding Carrie to repeat the words. When Margaret feels, feels that Carrie is not getting the point, she effortlessly drags her across the room and forces her into a prayer closet, while all, the while, all while continuing to quote Bible verses as Carrie screams and begs to be let out. This version of the character emphasizes Margaret's control over Carrie's life. Lori, along with De Palma's direction, and, and De Palma is Brian De Palma, who is the director, who I believe he got busted for some. Was it him or was it someone else? I don't want to. I don't want to quote. But somebody, Brian. No, it was Brian Singer. Never mind. All right, never mind. Um gives Margaret a physical presence that is much larger and more imposing than the actress herself. Margaret towers over Carrie, both physically and emotionally, and her daughter understandably shrinks in her presence. Lori plays Margaret as a woman not to be trifled with as she physically personifies the fire and brimstone that she preaches to Carrie on a daily basis. Ooh, yep. How many of you have experienced this same thing how many of you have experienced this same thing hmm. let me see if I can find one more 
Oh, here's a good analogy here. Uh, let's see. This is from schmoop.com. Mommy dearest. Now, <laughs> now, um, I wouldn't even, I used, I used to think that my mom was kind of like mommy dearest, but I wouldn't even give my mother the credit of even being as classy as, uh, who, who played Mommy Dearest? Was it Faye Dunaway or was it, uh, who played her? Hold on. Let me find that. Joan Crawford. Yes. I would not even give my mother the uh, the respect of calling her mommy dearest because at least Joan Crawford was a woman who had class. At least she had some level of fucking class, okay? My mother had no class and still doesn't. So <laughs> uh it's funny to compare Margaret White with uh mommy dearest. They're very very similar, but Margaret White was way worse. Okay, Mama Dearest, once you meet Carrie's mama, all of Carrie's crazy is immediately explained. Margaret White has no friends and no husband. And she hurts herself when she gets angry. Ooh, I hope, I hope that is not my fate. I already have no friends and no husband. And I've already hurt myself enough in my life, so... We are not claiming that for my life. I know I'm old. I know I've, I've hit the wall, but God damn it, I am still beautiful as hell and I am on the right path. So let's hope that there's a nice silver fox alpha male out there for me somewhere who loves Jesus and wants more than sex. <laughs> I am not giving up on love. I deserve it. Okay. Going back to the article. Plus, she always hated her parents for their sinful ways. She even hates her daughter for her sinful ways. Ooh, sound familiar? I know my mother hates me. If there's one thing this woman is good at, it's hating sin. She even totes, she even totes tracks around in her purse, probably leaving them under the windshield wipers and sticking them in books at bookstores. If you don't know what a track is, back in the, uh, well, before the digital age, there used to be these little uh, books that you would read about like John 316 and why you're going to hell. And I, if you're old enough to remember those, I remember those even in the 90s. Margaret White hates sin so much, she doesn't think she sins at all. Well, that's not true. She sinned once when she had sex with her husband. And the punishment was Carrie, her own daughter, who Margaret believes is either the Antichrist or Satan himself. She's so obsessed with her religious beliefs, she's willing to kill her own daughter to help cleanse the world of sin. And I can definitely say that my mother, 100%, that is who she is. Repress this, along with that anti-sin and fervor that comes comes a regression of all things vaguely related to sex. 
We learn that Margaret doesn't teach Carrie anything about coming of age and definitely not about getting her period. In fact, Margaret's sexual repression is so extreme, she tries to deny any signs of sexuality in her daughter. She seems to think that if she ignores any signs of Carrie's physical maturation, then puberty will never happen to her. But Carrie's breasts prove Margaret wrong, and that makes her very, very angry. You know, Mama is so repressed about basic aspects of sexuality that she even denies she was pregnant with Carrie. We're told it staggers both the imag imagination and belief to advance the hypothesis that Mrs. Margaret White did not know she was pregnant. Hate the sinner, love the sin. Yes, we realize that's backwards, but Margaret White's near fanatical religious beliefs are all kinds of backwards. She hates everyone who sees a sinner. She sees as a sinner. And that means she lashes out at everyone, her parents, her neighbors, her daughter. We're glad that poor spelling isn't a sin because Carrie's mom isn't the most educated woman. In, in a letter to her own parents about how sinful they are, she writes, Ralph and I, like Mary and Joseph, will neither, neither know nor pollute each other's flesh. So not only can she spell at a third grade level, she fancies herself to be the Virgin Mary. We've heard of a savior complex. Ooh, hello, how many of the, how many of you have a narcissist in your life with a religious or savior complex. I know you do. I know you do because you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't. I know you do. We've all experienced this. We've heard of a savior complex, but a mother of the savior complex isn't something you hear about every sing every day. We wonder if she thought she'd given birth to Jesus someday, but instead got Carrie. No wonder this woman thinks that Carrie is the Antichrist. Margaret thinks that she is the Anti-Mary. Margaret's obsession with cleansing the world of sin and so fancying herself as a savior and everyone else is damned really drives home how hip hypocritical she is. She even holds her own church services. Oh my God. My mom does the same thing. She has had a... Um, radio a, a christian radio show that plays on am re radio or some i don't know internet radio thing that nobody fucking listens to my mother actually is an ordained pastor but she has no congregation she doesn't even have bible studies and she's been kicked out of other churches okay my mom man i'll tell you all this story one day my mom even sued a pastor it is absolutely insane the things that my mother has done in her her hometown and this is how i know i'm not crazy because my whole life up until i was 29 years old i literally thought i was the only i thought something i was so crazy because i thought i was the only one that my mother was having problems with and then when i was 29 after my grandma died all hell broke loose and i finally was able to talk to other people and realize my mother does this shit to everybody. So it's not me. It's not me. I bear the brunt of the abuse. I, I am the one who is most affected by it. But 
I'm not the only one. And so there's some comfort in knowing that. Moving on, mom's mama's God complex prevents her from ever giving Carrie the help that she needs, not even when Carrie begs for it. Instead of helping Carrie, mama beats and stabs her. Ooh, how many of you have this kind of mom? That's exactly what my mom has done to me. We think mama's character is a good lesson in the fact that certain beliefs can be blinding. If mama's so into the Bible, why does she ignore its kinder teachings like whatever happened to love thy neighbor and okay so that's the end of that article so that's all I wanted to say about Margaret White okay and if you are the son or daughter of somebody like Margaret White I want you to know one thing even if you don't view Jesus as your higher power you do need to get a higher power to show you the love that you were never given. Perhaps you have only been given punishment and hellfire and brimstone and domination, and you never got any kind of balance of freedom and love going with that punishment. Chances are you grew up to be like me. Chances are you were exactly like me. Chances are you have struggled to set boundaries and establish uh, a sense of autonomy your entire life. Chances are the reason, like I said in the very beginning of this episode, the reason that you are so addicted to the euphoria that comes along with sex and love is because you've never, ever been given an ounce of love in your life. Okay. So I just want you to know to stay strong, stay on your steps, take the program seriously, because the deeper you get into the 12 steps and all of the accompanying materials that come with it, the deeper you will understand that this type of upbringing was never your fault. You never deserved it, but you can have new hope. There's a new day. There's a new hope. There's new um, blessings and miracles that can come into your life, whether you're religious or not. Blessings and miracles can come into your life in a brand new way. And I want you to get excited. I want you to get excited of what can happen when you partner with your higher power to recover. See, I'm not beaten down by... Carrie's mom anymore. I'm not beaten down by mommy dearest anymore. Margaret White no longer has any power over me. And the ridiculousness of the, the ways in which she would torture me, for example, trying to separate cookie crumbs from sand was, was never my fault. It was never my fault. And when you realize that these things are not your fault, when you realize that not that a mother like Margaret White and my mother and Joan Crawford, <laughs> those type of mothers are going to get their karma. And I am watching my mother get her karma. They will just like 
just like in the movie, just like in the book, those type of mothers will always get their karma. And you don't have to carry the burden of, of what they did anymore. Those type of mothers groomed you to become a rape victim. They groomed you to become a, they groomed you to enter into relationships with narcissists when you got older, whether you're a man or a woman. They groomed you to marry or to choose or to date the type of people who are going to be an extension of that abuse that they afflicted on you as a child. Oftentimes, like I just saw this, uh, this uh, video yesterday where it says behind every narcissistic man, there is likely a mother who thought that her son could do no wrong. Okay, let me rephrase that. Behind every narcissistic person, there is very likely a mother who thought their child could do no wrong. Okay, so you have these enabler mothers and then you have your own narcissistic mother. So you're going to get it from all sides because the person you choose your narcissistic mother is going to want you to stay in that relationship because they see that this person is abusing you and they like watching you being abused. And then you can't even go to your mother-in-law or the part or your partner's mother because your partner's mother is a fucking enabler, right? This is how you get it from all sides and you have to protect yourself. So I feel like I've spoken enough. I hope that the cookie crumbs and sand analogy is something that resonates with you. I hope that you can visualize that and understand that you uh, never deserve to be treated so poorly, that you are deserving of love. You were always deserving of love. And now that you're in recovery, you are taking the steps to clean your life up, to clean up your mindset, to clean up your health, to clean up your mental health, to clean up your emotional health. You are doing the work. You are cleaning those things up and we will find love and, and happy, healthy, successful relationship in the future. That is the path that we are on. That is what we are going to attract as we change, as we stop being victims, as we stop, even if we're not being victims, but if you are still in the clutches of that abuse, if you are still in the clutches of that pain, you are going to, to uh, take the steps to heal yourself and recover. And that is going to open up a whole wide world for you. Ladies and gentlemen, codependents, uh, keep working the program. It works if you work it. Do not forget to like me, rate me, and give me a comment on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get this information out to the, uh, to the addict that is still suffering. All right. Y'all have a great one.